Hey everybody, Luke here. Just a quick note that this is audio I captured off of a video I made recently. I decided to upload it as a separate podcast for your listening pleasure. So please let me know what you think of that. Hey everybody, it's Luke here, lukeitalic.com. Today I'm going to talk to you about diet breaks and refeeds, everything you need to know about them. It's obviously a really topical area in the industry at the moment, and I get asked a lot of questions about them. So here we go. Firstly, what is a diet break? It's a planned break from a diet. That's as simple as it is. The whole point of it is what we're going to get into in the rest of this video. Why would we want to use a diet break in the first place? Well, the answer lies in metabolic adaptation. I've written a whole separate article on this before and I've made a separate video on it, but what I'll do is I'll just cover the stuff that you need to know in this one so you don't have to go looking for that information anyway. Losing weight is a big problem for your brain. If you don't have enough energy stores available, the captain of the ship, your brain, basically says we can't make babies. You can't make babies if you can't even get out of the harbor in the first place. That means stocking up on as much fuel as you possibly can. Your brain has three main priorities in life. That is to survive to have sex, and to do it all again. Anything that threatens that is met with great hostility, and we have millions of years of evolution protecting this very idea. Because it takes energy to stay alive, and to have sex, and to breed, it means that we have multiple strategies available to us to try and do two main things. The first thing is to conserve as much energy as possible. That means storing fuel. And the other one is to seek as much fuel as we possibly can. And that means engaging in behaviors that are going to result in more energy coming in. So we have two parts here. We have one, energy in, and two, energy out. So naturally your brain has a little bit of a freak out when you suddenly want to get abs for summer. Essentially what's happening is it's sensing that the fuel gauge is getting low and it's freaking out just a little bit. It kicks in multiple mechanisms to try and defend your energy stores. In fact, your level of body fat literally informs the brain how much energy there is available via a hormone called leptin. Leptin lets your brain know how much spare energy is left. Not only this, but the faster you deplete the energy stores, the more drastic the response from leptin is. If you push harder on the accelerator, you're going to run out of fuel sooner and more drastic measures have to take place. In other words, your brain just steps on the brakes harder. So to get past the analogies, the faster you lose weight, the more your brain accentuates those mechanisms involved in making you eat more, and the more it accentuates those mechanisms involved with making you move less. So we call this adaptive thermogenesis. As you start to lose weight, the amount of heat that your body creates through producing energy, thermogenesis, is reduced. We start to see energy output decrease. And this is partly to be expected. Your metabolism is really closely tied to body weight for a couple of reasons. If you're moving more weight around, it simply means that you have to spend more energy. And if you have more tissue to keep alive in your body, obviously that takes more energy too. Now, interestingly, we have really robust scientific formulae that we can use to work out exactly what your basal metabolic rate is and how much energy we would expect you to burn at rest given your height, your weight, and your biological sex. The problem is when we experience metabolic adaptation, our predictions no longer work very well. Let's say you had two people who are exactly the same. They start at 80 kilograms, and we want to measure how much energy is it costs to keep them alive. Let's say one of these individuals has recently lost five kilograms, and the other one has been weight stable for quite some time. 
For the person who has been weight stable, we would expect our formula to be pretty accurate. We could predict how many calories it would take for them to just maintain their body weight. However, for the person who has recently lost weight and has now experienced some metabolic adaptation, our formula would actually overpredict how many calories they're spending every day. So how is this possible? Well, it's partly due to things like greater mitochondrial efficiency. You might know that the mitochondria help us produce ATP, which is our fundamental unit of energy that we use in the body. We also see a drop in hormones that control metabolism, the main one being thyroid hormone. This leads to an overall decrease in energy used during rest and during exercising. In fact, on the topic of exercising, your muscles can actually become more efficient. So the same amount of work that you do can cost less energy as a result of metabolic adaptation due to weight loss. So if we couple these things with the reduction in body weight, it means that we're looking at maybe 10 to 15% less metabolic output, less calories being spent than we would have expected based on our formula. Now, another really big part of this is another topic that I will be releasing a video on pretty soon, and that is non-exercise activity. You see, the largest predictor of how much energy we spend is how much physical activity we do. That's the most variable part between individuals. You have some people who move around a lot and find it much easier to keep the weight off, and other people who don't move that much. They don't have much planned exercise activity, and they don't do much unplanned exercise activity either. They just don't move around that much. There can be as much as 2,000 calories difference between individuals from these factors and it, it includes a lot of subconscious stuff like how much fidgeting you do how physically animated you are what kind of job you work how often you stand when you're standing are you leaning on stuff or are you standing away from things um, all of that stuff factors into how much energy you burn through physical activity and that varies so much between individuals this is impacted pretty heavily by metabolic adaptation as soon as you start reducing your weight we find that your non-exercise activity goes down by a substantial amount so to summarize as your weight starts to reduce and your fuel stores go down the brain starts to step on the brakes harder now not only does our energy output decrease when we start dieting, but we also see an energy intake going up as well. And this is mainly mediated by things like hunger signals and cravings. It's all done via leptin, but the gist of it is, is that your brain recognizes that we need more energy. And so it decides, well, let's get more energy in. And it does that via making you eat more food. So let's get into diet breaks now. What we're really talking about when we're talking about a diet break or a refeed is periodizing the diet. And many of us might be familiar with periodizing our training. We change the training variables over time. Sometimes you do more reps. Sometimes you do less reps. Sometimes you lift heavier weights, sometimes lighter weights. You might change your rest periods, your tempos, the actual exercises you do. And all of these are really pretty common with people who train, but not many people think about periodizing their nutrition to meet their evolving needs as well. Sometimes we do this for psychological reasons, if we just need a bit of a break, and sometimes we do it for physiological reasons, like some of the hormonal changes that I mentioned when we go through a weight loss phase. Either way, your diet should match your evolving goals, and you should understand that your body is a dynamic system, and it may need different requirements at different times. The main variables that we're changing here are the total number of calories coming in, but we could also change the types of macronutrients we're eating or the ratios of macronutrients. And by macronutrients, I mean carbohydrates, fat, and protein. So let's talk about refeeds. Refeeds are typically a day or a meal of eating more food. In this sense, it's a little bit different to a diet break, which tends to be a little bit longer than just one day. There are multiple ways you can use a refeed. You could have a high calorie day, you could have 
simply a high carbohydrate day. You could even just do like a cheat meal. Now the idea here is that we want to essentially send a signal to the brain that we have enough energy around and to try and slow down that metabolic adaptation or adaptive thermogenesis to make sure that we're not crashing too hard with our metabolism. Now the problem is a 24 hour refeed does not do too much to increase metabolic output. There is a small increase, but it's not really anything of note and it's probably mostly related to getting in more food. Eating more food actually costs energy to digest and absorb. Uh, so we see the thermic effect of food increase a little bit, but other than that, metabolic rate doesn't change substantially during a 24-hour refeed. Now, this doesn't make it useless. It could still hold some physiological benefit and it could still hold some psychological benefit. So on the psychological side of things, you may find that having a goal of getting to that refeed day once a week is really motivating. If you have, you know, say Sunday as your goal every week where you are allowed to eat at maintenance again, Going through a diet throughout the week can be much easier because you've got that target at the end of the week. It can also make it a bit easier to deal with training. If you have hard training sessions, uh, say Monday, Tuesday, you have your big leg session or whatever it is, then eating a little bit more on Sunday could make you feel like you're a bit more prepared psychologically. It could even provide a little bit of a glycogen bump so that those sessions are a bit easier to get through. The problem is there are some potential drawbacks to a 24-hour refeed. I've certainly found that some people uh, psychologically don't deal too well with having a refeed once a week. The reason is because they tend to be a little bit more likely to binge eat. So um, the goal is not really to go over maintenance calories because if you go too far past maintenance calories on one day a week, you're starting to dig into the deficit that you've created on all of the other days throughout the week. You still need to be in an overall calorie deficit for the week if you want to continue to lose fat. And if you're going for a refeed and you don't have great self-control, you could start destroying that deficit and all that hard work that you've done throughout the week. So for those reasons, I don't very often use a refeed personally. I find that it's not really worth what you get for it. I find that because there is not that much change to leptin signaling, there's not that much of a powerful effect to the brain to tell it that we're, we're not out of the woods yet. It's not really worth using in many cases, but it does still hold some utility and it might work really well for some people. Now, what I prefer is a diet break. And the reason why is because a diet break lasts a little bit longer. And if we have a longer period of energy coming in, it's more convincing to the brain that we actually have enough energy available and we can start to reverse some of that metabolic adaptation. Think about it from an evolutionary perspective. If you were to come across a cache of food, whether that's a carcass or whatever else, and you've been essentially in a state of low energy availability with not much food coming in for several weeks, it's not gonna take one meal for your brain to suddenly decide like, oh, happy days, we're out of the woods now and we're not starving anymore. It's gonna take several days of eating at or above maintenance for your brain to start to recognize that there is enough food available. In other words, it takes more than one lucky day to prevent death by starvation. So to soothe leptin signaling to the brain and to indicate that we have plenty of energy available, we probably need several days in a row of eating at maintenance or beyond. Interestingly, it also seems that carbohydrate seems to have a more powerful physiological effect or hormonal effect and can help to mitigate metabolic adaptation more. With a diet break, we might even go up to a couple of weeks of eating at maintenance to really send a powerful signal to the brain. Now, there is a drawback to this. Obviously, every week you end up eating at maintenance is another week that you're not in a deficit. 
which means it's going to take you longer to get to a fat loss goal if you're regularly eating at maintenance throughout the process. Now, I mentioned earlier that there are psychological benefits to this as well. So far, we've talked mostly about physiological stuff and how the brain perceives energy availability, but there's also obviously a really large psychological part to dieting. And if we have a break from dieting for some period of time, it can help with our behavioral changes and our environmental changes. So in other words, we have social pressures and, and social friction and environmental difficulties when we diet because we have a lot of food available to us in the modern world and food is a really big part of socializing. Unfortunately, often when we diet, that can be some of the stuff that really trips us up whether we want to go out and share a meal with friends or with family, celebrate a birthday, or really just have a ton of food around us that we're trying to ignore, it can get really psychologically difficult. So having a diet break allows us to mitigate or dissipate some of this psychological stress and reduce social friction, which is a really important part of long-term success with weight maintenance. So quite often I've planned many a diet break around things like weddings or birthdays or holidays or long weekends. So how do we implement a diet break? There's really two main ways you can do this. Either you can pre-plan the diet break in advance, or you can keep it in your back pocket as an ace up your sleeve, so to speak. I think I've mixed analogies there, but whatever. Uh, and that way you can use it as a prophylactic when you find that dieting is getting a little bit tough from either a physiological or psychological perspective. Now I've already mentioned some of the uses of the pre-planning of a diet break you might anticipate an event coming up in a certain amount of time. Let's say you are planning to diet for roughly 16 weeks, but you know midway through that you have a wedding or an anniversary or a birthday or just want to have a week away. You can plan your diet break at that point. And what it does is it gives you a shorter term goal to aim for. That's a little bit closer than 16 weeks away, which is quite, quite a long time to diet. And that means that you can stay a little bit more motivated and a little bit more on track. And it helps split that dieting period in half, which can make it easier in both of those periods to stick to the diet. It also means that you aren't neglecting your relationships, you aren't neglecting the people around you, and you can have a bit more fun during that planned diet break. Now, the other way of doing it is the what I call the prophylactic version, which basically means you're identifying when your fatigue is accruing and, and we accrue fatigue when we're in a diet. It, it impacts our recovery. It obviously has a cost to us psychologically and it drains our willpower to some extent. So having that as a tool you can use when that stuff starts to get a little bit hairy can be really great to mitigate that stress, to help you refocus and to enter the next phase of your diet with a refreshed perspective. Now, the problem with that in either method, but particularly the pre-planned one, is that if you have a pre-planned diet break and you start to get towards that phase, but you're going really well with your diet, you're feeling good, you're making a lot of progress, you've got good momentum and you're feeling positive about it, having a diet break can actually break up that momentum and get you out of all of the good habits that you've built. So in some senses, it can actually be detrimental if you use a pre-planned diet break. If you use a, a prophylactic method, then it essentially means that you're not using the diet break unless you really have to. But the problem with the prophylactic method is that often people don't recognize the signs of when they need to use a diet break. And then they either use it too liberally or they hold off too long to the point where they're almost at breaking before they implement the break. So in my experience, if you have a fairly advanced person or an experienced dieter, then using that prophylactic method can be really helpful. And if you have a set in stone social event or holiday, 
that you want to make use of, then that's a really good way of using the pre-planned diet break. It's really horses for courses and it's just stuff that you need to consider. Either way works really well, but it has to be appropriate for you. So how do we actually do the diet break? It's really pretty simple to implement. All we're trying to do is we're trying to reduce the calorie deficit and take you out of a deficit for a little while. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna recalculate your maintenance calories based on your current weight. We're going to spend a week or two at that level of calorie intake, and then we're gonna enter into another dieting phase after that. During the diet break, the goal is not to gain or lose any weight, which is gonna be a bit difficult. You're probably gonna see some shifts in your weight, and this is mainly due to fluid. So as you get stressed, the hormone cortisol tends to rise, and it can cause some retention of water subcutaneously under the skin. So when you go and have your diet break, some of that water might be lost because now you're reducing stress and then you might see that your muscle definition is a bit better and your scale weight goes down a bit. But on the other hand, you might also increase stored glycogen in the muscles, which can increase uh, the fullness of your muscles and it can also increase your scale weight. So you might see when you first implement the diet break that the scale weight goes up and down a little, which is totally normal, but ideally what we want is not too much movement of weight during the period of the diet break because we should be at maintenance. I prefer to get most of the calories coming from carbohydrate because they tend to have a stronger physiological response in mitigating metabolic adaptation. So that would be my recommendation. The only other thing you need to think about is that your physical activity is also a stressor. And if you're doing a lot of physical activity, uh, an example of this would be a physique athlete in comp prep where they might be doing quite a lot of cardio. Then during the diet break, I would reduce some of that physical activity a bit just to help the recovery process. Now there are a few things that people often do incorrectly with diet breaks. So I'm gonna go through a few scenarios here. Number one is eating too much during the diet break. Now I've already touched on this, that your weight's gonna shift around a little bit, but if you see that your weight is, is steadily increasing throughout the diet break, then you've probably overshot how many calories you're eating and you should start to just draw back the calories a little bit. The second big mistake is drastically altering the types of foods that you're eating. A lot of people view a diet break as a movement into more junk foods. So they start to have more treats and what can happen then is that you can get some gastric discomfort and you can start to feel pretty crappy. So my advice is to simply increase the portion sizes of foods that you're eating at the moment and maybe have about 10% of your calories come from sweets, junk foods, stuff that you don't normally eat. Now the third and probably biggest mistake that people make when they first learn about diet breaks is that they do use a diet break too often. It's important to note that metabolic adaptation or adaptive thermogenesis is totally normal. It's a regular normal response that's going to happen to you if you lose weight. That's totally fine. It doesn't mean you can't recover from it and it doesn't make it bad. It's just something that we want to mitigate if you're planning on dieting for a long period of time or if you have a lot of weight to lose. It's also normal to feel hungry and to feel like the diet is a bit tough sometimes. That's totally fine. If you're hungry two or three weeks into a diet, it doesn't mean that you need a diet break. It just means that you need to stick with it and eventually you'll adjust to that caloric intake. Really important to remember that every time you take a diet break, it's extending the amount of time you need to spend dieting overall because every week or every day you spend at maintenance is a day that you're not in a calorie deficit and that's a day that you're not gonna be losing body fat. So if you decide to diet for 16 weeks, bear in mind that if you're taking three two-week diet breaks along there, then you're not spending 16 weeks in a deficit. You're actually spending 10 weeks in a deficit for your 16-week dieting period. 
to get the same number of weeks in a deficit, you're going to have to diet for much longer, an extra six weeks. So just bear that in mind. Now, some less conventional uses of diet breaks tend to be for much longer term dieting periods. So there have been studies such as the Matador study that used two weeks on and two weeks off as a dieting strategy. And honestly, I think that's actually quite a good way of doing it for some people because it really increases adherence rate or the, the ability to stick to your diet. So that's a situational use of diet breaks where you're alternating uh, quite short periods of dieting with diet breaks. But for most people, I think it's a little bit more motivating and a little bit easier to just simply diet for a little bit longer, use the diet break where required and get the job done sooner. So just to summarize everything, when we diet and we have less energy coming in, our brain recognizes this as a stressor and it starts to engage in behaviors that make us feel hungrier and more likely to eat more. It makes us move less and makes us a bit more efficient with our movement, meaning that we tend to want to eat a little bit more and we definitely start to expend less energy. So one of the ways we can mitigate this is by providing the brain uh, a signal that we're not that low on energy after all. We can eat at maintenance for a period of time, about a week to two weeks on average, and that will reset some of the brain's concepts of where the fuel gauge is at. That can help mitigate some of the metabolic adaptation, it can give us a psychological break from dieting, and it can make dieting for longer periods much more tolerable. Alright guys, thanks for watching. Nice quick guide on everything you need to know about diet breaks. Let me know what you thought in the comments below, and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Oh,